0: 4721, <laughs> <laughs> you'll intercept the final <laughs> <laughs> bearing. <laughs>
1: This is RC Heli Nation version 2.0. I'm Justin, and this is t- episode 217. What are you guys up to? Do I have anyone with me here? Nope. No one's there. Check, check. Nope. Mike There's che- a Jesse. This I heard on. Nick. Mike, check. Dan. Hello? Dan. Are Dan. you there? Dan. Dan. <laughs> Dan. Earth to Dan.
0: You mm, don't have a Dan. Dan. What is
1: going on? Housekeeping. <laughs> you want your pillow fluff? Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Dan, you
0: there? You need more Cheeto? <laughs> <laughs> My vacuum carpet. Yeah, come
2: here. I bring more Cheeto for you. <laughs> Cheeto and wet oh, wipe. Okay. my wet wipe and Cheeto. <laughs> wet wipe and Cheetos. Cheetos. <laughs> oh, oh, oh.
1: oh, man. Yeah, that's, my yeah that's, that's, yeah. But I think that would kind of be how it would go because, <laughs> as we've heard from Dan before, <laughs> he eats his Cheetos, then he scratches his balls <laughs> without using the wet wipe. So now he's got Cheetos on his balls. Wow! Really? Right? So I think that was kind of what I was implying, was a, but you didn't. Have I to, wanted to make sure. You know what? That dude? was a visual. Wow. We we have. I think we've got some listeners that are new to this whole ball game, and pun literally. intended. We got
0: to we got <laughs> yeah, to spell it out for them. <laughs> pun intended.
1: Yeah. We- ball game. <laughs> Welcome oh, to the ball game. <laughs>
0: ah, 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 ah. That just happened
1: that just happened so as you guys have already heard (laughs) dan is not here to defend himself nope i think he's feeling a little bit under the weather uh with a cold and i think we've all been there in the last little bit so hopefully he gets better soon but we have nick len yes sir and jesse yo 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 so, what's this week been uh, been uh, up to for you guys?
0: It's been filled with some three eightiness. Did you get it, maiden? I did.
1: All right, nice. I did.
0: I tore the crap up out of my backyard and the um, one flight in the front yard. I still am, haven't decided yet if that's the right decision because <laughs> it just takes up a lot of space in the front yard real fast.
3: Well, your your front yard's like the at least as big as like a basketball court, isn't it?
0: Yeah, dude, you've got a big no, front yard. I wouldn't call it a maybe, basketball. Yeah,
3: court. maybe not quite. I was gonna say people fly seven hundreds in basketball courts. Not dude. this people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Didn't it was, be a problem. A little three eighty. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: it's. I mean, it's not bad, but it, it could use a heli that's a little bit smaller. But hey, you know, beats it beats mm-hmm. doing nothing. So, yes, I did get it all made in, got it all set up. I did find out, and I forgot about this. You know, it's been a while. I did so much swipping and swapping and all over the place. This V-bar that is in this one now is technically bad. But I remembered I figured that out last season and kept flying it anyway. This one has a drift. It's a used one that I bought that looks, it it looks like it's been through hell. I mean, oh, man. I I mean, someone put it up and was like, 50 bucks. And I was like, ah, sure, I'll take it. Why not? (laughs) And it just looks like a hammered sack of assholes, dude. (laughs) (laughs) This looks like it's
3: been through like three or four poochie crashes. It's bad. Wait a minute. (laughs) And it still works? Yeah. Yeah. At Well, that's pretty good, though. It does. It and at least I, turns on.
0: I was doing the um, I was doing the whole trim flight in the in the piro flat level thing in the backyard. I was like, man, this thing's got a forward drift to it. And then it was like, oh yeah. I had to. I I landed the heli, went up there, pulled the canopy off, looked at it, and was like, yep, all right. Now I remember because I had this one on my 500 last year, and it had a small forward drift to it too that i never that i never got figured out so i was like yeah yeah all right it's not bad though not bad at all so i guess well, I sh- so
1: what what do, what do you think what's the verdict i
0: think i need a bigger pinion and the speed up gear on the tail
1: that's what i think okay this- now go ahead th- you got all of this just from hovering in your yard or doing a little bit of
3: movement
0: uh yeah because i well i was doing funnels dude, have and you seen how demanding pitch pumps are <laughs> yeah oh yeah i know dude
3: especially mine
0: I mean, sure. yeah especially mine
3: yeah the violet pitch pump justin Do not underestimate that's
1: right
0: no i did because i was so doing yeah some funnels you lifted it and... into a
1: hover you you checked trim you pitch pump the shit out of it and you're like i need a new pinion and a tail speed up here (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's called tuning expert right there there Mm -hmm. you go yeah well so what are you running head speed wise
0: uh max for stock which i think i only ended up getting about three thousand out of it somewhere right around in there which isn't bad i mean it's cool for you know just chilling and flying around and and a little bit of fun, but I can already tell, like, I'm going to fly this thing like I don't like
1: you it. You are, yeah, you are going to want to yep. beat it
0: up. Because, I, I mean, that was at, like, 92% or 93% throttle output. And I, and uh, the second flight, I was like, or we'll just put it at 100 for now. <laughs> and
1: see how that goes.
0: Yeah, and it got way <laughs> better. I just really like hammering on it. Maybe that, that'll wear off after a while. Um, I'm sure that it probably will, but it seemed to just like the more head speed. And I don't know. I just wasn't super ecstatic with the tail. So, I mean, from what everyone said, so many people
1: run the speed up gear on the, tail oh yeah, dude, I mean, I run the speed up gear and I am not flying the thing as hard as I'm sure you're going to want to. So it's not surprising to me that you got that out of a couple of pitch pumps.
0: Yeah. Other than that, I love it. I mean, it's a hoot. It's creepy quiet. It's a really smooth, quiet little heli. I'm not the, you know, I'm not the hugest fan of the, S- of the SAB blades, but kind of now with my, you know, with this whole newfound tuning thing, I'm not worrying about it as much. I'm just going out there and tuning less by the numbers and more by the feel. So I'm I'm excited to get it out and, you know, open it up, but the weather has just been... I was going to
3: say, is it it waterproof? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: I know, right? Really bad. Bad lately. We've had a lot of rain, but who knows? Hopefully
1: we'll get a break. I think I'll... Go ahead. Did you end up getting the SAB carrying case, dude?
0: No, because that's all... I have a a shopping cart full of stuff. I've got... uh, SAB carrying case. I was going to throw a set of the regular skids in there. I want to try a set. I think that I want them, but you never know, right? Uh, I was going to do that, but then uh, a friend of ours over in New York, Chris Reiber, was like, hey, man, I got a set that I am not going to use. Want me to send them over? Sure. So he's sending those over. So I'll check those out. Uh, And thank you, Chris, by the way. And then I think um, I'm going to do... I've got the case in the shopping cart, I've got pinion, tail speed up gear, and I think really, oh, magnetic mounts, definitely going to do magnetic mounts, because
1: I think, I'm anxious to hear what you think of those, because I've heard a lot of inconsistency in how those work. You're talking canopy mounts? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not bad, but you know, it's any, I'm, it's- jesse they're just like any typical thumb screw i mean Mm -hmm. it is what it is right yeah and with the 1800 packs in there you know you really get them out toward the nose okay so uh like to the point i might i might end up shortening my battery leads a little bit just Mm -hmm. to take a little bit of that bunch of wire out but yeah i definitely have the packs way out there so you're it's, it's kind of a little bit of a fiddle, and I'd like to take that fiddle out of it. Now, having said that, I also haven't done my must-do ultimate heat it up with the hair dryer trick yet on it. Yeah. Which I didn't even think of until right now <laughs> that I realized. I do that with every single canopy I get. So I'll probably do that. But, yeah, I think this is like one of those helis where I feel like it's magnetic mount material. I'm not going to be going, you know, 100 miles an hour with it backwards. I feel like uh, it would be a good candidate for it just to kind of help ease everything. Because my plan is to get the the bag, throw the radio in there. And I want, you know, within the next couple months, I want a stockpile of six batteries for it. I've kind of decided that because this is going to be like I want to be able to take this and go entertain myself for an hour yeah
1: absolutely without
0: charging without anything
1: six batteries that would be that would be great and the nice thing is if you do feel like after that six packs you're gonna stick around and fly more then you get a small charger like the gt 500 that you don't even need to put on a generator you can plug it into your car battery
0: yeah yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like I really like it. My, You know, even then, since I have the radio in the case, it would be very easy to grab the, you know, the 570 as well with with a couple of packs for it just to fill in in between. But, yeah, yeah that's kind of my plan. I did, uh, did get a little bit of sim time this week. I set those goals for maneuvers, and I'm working on Man, I'm working on a bunch of new stuff. Uh, I I said that I really wanted to become like a... My goal is to... I want to have like really sick funnels and funnel transitions. Funnels have always been really cool to me, but more than just like the box standard ones, I love crazy transitions into orientations that you don't see. Kind of like the indirect type, uh, yeah, just, just the, funnel, yeah. yeah, just the oddball stuff. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we had talked about that video that Kyle Stacy did where he did those cool funnel one direction, then did that little quick funnel, stop them back the other stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's stuff that you don't see. And I feel like they're technically within my realm of, of being able to learn, you know, um, I just need to work on the weird transitions that that kind of make you go, wait,
1: what? You're working all the funnel directions, right?
0: And so, yes, now that's what tail I'm
1: doing. Tail down, nose down, inverted, upright. Yep. Yep. I'll so you've got to start working the, because you can do the standard flat funnel eight transition where one half is a tail down upright, and then it transitions in the middle to a ta- tail down inverted. Yes, what yeah. you got to do now is you got to throw in a half piro in the middle and transition from a tail down upright to a nose down. That inverted. is,
0: that is one of the ones That's that I what I want to see. Yep. That's one of the ones that I'm working on. Cause I can do nose down. Let's see. Nose down skids in counterclockwise now.
1: Nose uh, down, skids in, counterclockwise. Yep. Okay.
0: Jesse saw them. Yep. Yep. Like, Are I'm, they clean? Yeah. Yeah. I would say they're, they're pretty clean. clean. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't, it's hard to judge clean when it's like it, 28 degrees
3: out. Well, it was really hard to see them because they're like 300 feet in the air.
0: Whatever. No, I've kidding. never funneled <laughs> high in the air. Ever. And how have no, they, many they were crashes to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't funnel high in the air. It's like it doesn't Im- work, it's yeah. impossible for me. I, I don't see the reference point. No, Justin, I think what I need to where I'm at with that one. I can do them consistently, but I can't I'm working on my control on them. Mm. So like I can go out there and I can put it in. Those, and I can start the funnel and I can lock it in. Right. And I'll hold it. Right. And it's locked in, and it looks great. But now I'm I'm working on transitioning from that to okay, tighten it up and bring it to the left fifty feet. Right, that's a gotcha. whole different. Like I'm I'm there with my counterclockwise tail down inverted. I mean, you or skids in. You guys have seen me do that. I can do those. Climbing, descending, you know, mm-hmm. do them mini funnels all over the place. That's no problem. So that's what I'm kind of working on. Because really to get, to, to move from that spot of just being able to lock it in and let it do what it's doing to controlling it and moving it is, it's really big. I mean, that's a huge skill jump, I believe. Yeah. Because yeah, now absolutely. all of a sudden in the wind. Your funnel still stays centered, versus yep. you know, because yep. you can say, okay, tighten up this side, let up on this side, more pitch on this side. I mean, you're actually moving the maneuver and controlling the maneuver as a whole. Yep. So, yeah, that was one that I've been um, working on a little bit, and then I've got to get my pirouetting Mobiuses. That's a must. It's they're they're getting closer. The transition from upright to inverted is a little little wondrous, I'll call it. <laughs> like I, I wonder if it's going to make
1: it this time. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
0: inverted to upright, I get every time. like it's really smooth, no problem, but going from, you know around the left side, so uh counterclockwise off my left shoulder, coming around by me, inverted to then, or, uh, uh, excuse me, upright, that last corner of the, of the mm-hmm. eight on the Mobius is tricky for me, upright pirouetting anyway. And I never seem to come out of it quite right. So then when I need to go make the transition in the middle of the eight, it's always kind of a, I just feel like I'm doing this huge, massive stir, always wondering which way it's going to come out. Mm-hmm rather than for some odd reason my inverted to upright is just like smooth as butter every time and I'm I'm not into the sticks very far and it just feels
1: right uh, it's so weird how there are those variations and yet there's no good explanation for it other than that you are completely mind fucking yourself yeah
0: well I it's know why so. the inverted I know why that one is clean and and it's weird because that's from flips.
1: Well, right. No, no. I, I, I mean, but the point still is that the reason you're inverted is clean is because you have mastered or gotten really competent at another maneuver yes. that has that same yeah, yeah, yeah. transition or flavor to it. Mm-hmm. it it's not because there is something easier about the inverted portion than not yeah (laughs) now that's well it's it's all mental dude you ever think about this
0: i bet you it's because i can pirouette my inverted pirouetting in general is far superior to my upright pirouetting
3: yeah well Well, yeah because when you're when you're learning like inverted pirouetting or when you're learning pirouetting circuits it was it was inverted when you're learning all these it's like Learned See, all those pirouetting that, stuff inverted, so that no. just seems like a more comfortable. No, nope, not me.
0: Oh, I learned absolutely, it all inverted. Absolutely not yeah, so um, I can do inverted pirouetting circuits, but and I think that's yep. why that I'm so used to transitioning from inverted because I spend so much time there to upright that smooth, but. It, it, I don't, I never mass, I never spent a ton of time pirouetting upright. So for me to go upright to inverted is more of a, a quick thing than a fluent controlled thing, mm-hmm. but I'm very controlled coming from inverted to upright.
1: Yeah, I, I have done all of my pirouetting stuff started upright. Now, I can't do super fast pirouetting circuits, but I I can do pirouetting circuits and I do them upright. Yeah. Do that inverted. Mm -hmm. Forget it, man. (laughs) Forget it.
0: No way. I I actually tried uh, out at the field the other day, which is really (laughs) dumb. I mean, you want to scare the crap out of yourself. Decide you're going to try something that you've never tried on the sim. Mm -hmm. That's fun. And it's a weakness anyway. Now, it's not like I'm saying, okay, I can do, you know, I can do like these slow pirouetting loops inverted, right? But, and, and I'm getting better at my angles of them. They're not quite globes and, and they're very predictable. Like I'm exactly at a certain spot at the top, exactly at a certain spot at the bottom. And, you know, I think I'm getting like two, two full pirouettes per, per, Per rotation of the loop, every time. So I'm not really. I, I mean, do you call that a pirouetting, Jesse? You With know, I know two, you know two what two i
1: pi- Two pirouettes yeah. per loop. I mean, that's, yeah.
0: that's moving. I mean, it's pirouetting, but it's very.
1: Why, why wouldn't it be?
0: Well, I feel like to call something pirouetting,
3: it's just like you don't care. You don't, don't care spins. how many are in there.
0: It, you can change yeah. it up. You can speed yeah, it up. You
1: can but s- we're not we're not taking count and you're not going to go to 3D masters and show them your skills so yeah for the average person who uh, watches you dreams. do that well i feel you, like if i'm going to call doing a pure wedding loop
0: and eh, for for nick to call it pure wedding it needs to be just a a i mean you're just pirouetting just, while you're just doing the this loop. You're just doesn't, holding the rudder and doesn't matter. letting it happen and make the loop big, then make I'm the loop small. I'm fine with that. But
1: just know that you are imposing that constraint yeah. on
3: yourself. Yeah. And Justin's my neck. You can do pirouetting. Because.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, well, I decided. Uh, here I am talking about how my upright pirouetting isn't as good. I come out of this. uh I come out of this, I'm working on this pirouetting loop and really nice and I'm throwing in more piros and I come out of the top and it's kind of coming down a little bit of an arc like at a 45 and and I leave it upright and I'm like, oh yeah, let's just continue this down. So now it's this nice sweeping arc, 45, I'm pirouetting. I kind of got like my upright stir going and I'm like, dude, just keep it going. Let's just go ahead and do that (laughs) skids out loop. You got this, right? I mean, this is no big deal. Just keep that motion. Keep that momentum, that loop. Throw in a little collective and toss it right back up over the top. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome till it got about straight up. And I don't (laughs) mean straight up over the top. I mean straight up the front side of the loop. And then I got my timing off. Wow, that was go out of shape fast. Oh yeah, and that was that's where that uh, that Todd Bennett instant hands off, quit pirouetting. Yeah, don't touch <laughs> don't, anything. Don't fight it. Don't fight mid stick on everything. Oh, there it is. Fly back out of it. It just made my butt pucker, and I was like, oh yeah, dummy. That's why we do stuff on the sim first. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Yeah, pretty slow week, but uh good, no complaints.
1: Sweet. So, nice. uh you're going to get some flying in this weekend, right? Ah,
0: oh, <laughs>
3: man. <laughs> in the rain. It's
0: showing 80% in
3: <sighs> both days. I, I know like solid. I don't
0: know. I mean, I really don't know. And that's I think to me that is why this 380 is going to be so important with that Like, I am going to shamelessly go up to the nearby school with the 380. And if I've got it already in the bag, six batteries charged, it can be like, dude, okay, it's nice, let's go. Now, right up there. Run up there, bang them out real quick. Even if I get three in before it starts raining, that's a lot faster than... You know, hooking the truck up to the trailer, going out to the field, setting up, firing up the generator—that
3: yep. deal. And then it's running again.
0: <laughs> yeah, which I mean, I'm not complaining with the trailer. That's still faster than than loading everything up, going out to the field. I mean, but you know how it is, especially here.
1: Yep. After changing my custom charging case about 12 times now I've really come to appreciate what the guys at Progressive RC bring to the hobby. With a huge selection of charging accessories such as balance boards, charge leads, connectors, adapters, case fans and more, you'll be sure to find exactly what you need to make your custom charging system really shine. And if you're not interested in going DIY style, then hit them up for one of their turnkey charging systems. Just choose your options and you'll be charging in no time. Head on over to www.progressiverc.com today and get that spark back into your hobby.
4: Progressive RC, taking charging to the next level. What have you been up to Jesse?
3: Yes, it hasn't been a crazy busy week. Um, up till the last couple of days, has, there wasn't a whole lot of heli stuff. As I mentioned last week, I was out of town all last weekend um, in Whistler. And then, as I mentioned last show, I ordered a heli. So that was scheduled to be here on Tuesday of this week. Now, first, I want to start with a little bit of negative... Uh, I don't know, negativeness that happened this last week. You know what I hate is when... You know, you order a helicopter, and you pick the shipping method. It it ended up being FedEx in this case. And when they ship it, they put direct signature required on delivery. So you you know what that means. The three
1: worst words in an order confirmation email.
3: Yeah. Well, and I wasn't paying attention to it a whole lot, so I didn't actually realize it until... You know, I went to go check the tracking number on Tuesday going, okay, it should be delivered today. It should be, you know, we've all been there on those days where you're just watching the clock at work going, okay, I know there's going to be a brand new helicopter sitting at home and the day's just dragging on. So it was two or three in the afternoon and I reloaded up the tracking number and it just said delivery attempted, um, no one, you know, no one home we will try again next business day. It's like, crap, why would that? Why would that matter? And then scrolled down and looked at the shipping method. And sure enough, direct signature required. And this wasn't like one of those, you know, where you could go and sometimes I guess with FedEx, if it's not direct signature required, you can go and like change it so you can submit an electronic signature and then they'll still leave it. Um, Not the case this time. So I was completely screwed going. I got to figure something out. I'm not getting this helicopter till Friday or something. And so ended up rerouting it to a FedEx location in Bellingham, which is still a little bit of a drive up, you know, 20 minutes away from my house or so, 25 minutes. Um, but it did end up coming in on Wednesday. So yesterday. So not horrible. Lost one day, but still just kind of ticks you off when you're looking forward to that for the whole day. And then you reload that tracking number and see that. So now Wednesday, when it came, I did not get a chance. You know, I had... Kayla was running some errands in town after work and I didn't, she didn't get home till late. So I didn't get a chance to jump on it all that much yesterday. I just you know, took it out of the box, had some personal time with the canopy as we Rested all know, the canopy. <laughs> yeah. you know, we all got to do that. You pull, that's like the first thing you do, you know, you get this box, you tear it open and I go for the everything. So in, in this kit, everything is kind of individually There's probably eight smaller boxes inside the larger box. So you open it up, you don't see any parts or anything. You just see this collection of smaller boxes. So immediately you go for the largest one because that's where the canopy has to be. (laughs) And so, yeah, pop the lid and get the canopy out. You know, pull a couple parts out and whatnot. But it's pretty late on Wednesday, so I didn't do a ton yesterday. Um, Just get some stuff laid out, knowing that today being Thursday, I was going to work on it a little bit after work. So, so far, I have about, I probably spent two and a half hours on it this evening. Um, and it's coming together really, really nice. So far, no real hiccups or anything um, in the build. I've just got, so the lower, if, if you remember that the lower frame on this helicopter is one solid um, kind of plastic uh, injection molded part. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, and I got to say, it, it is really, really. Dense, um, you know, some, a stout piece of plastic. It, uh, Honestly, I can see myself going to that ultralight frame now where you kind of hold this thing and you go, wow, this being plastic, it definitely feels heavier than you would think. Um, yeah, it and would the ultralight shaves at it. like 100 grams off of I that. I think it's 120. I mean, think about that. That's a quarter of a pound. Yeah, yeah. big deal. Um, and that's a, I mean you don't have to do anything. <laughs> you just shave, you know, shaved a quarter of a pound off without doing a really a dang thing. Um, so I, I can definitely see that in my future. So, you know, I got the lower frame, the skids on the upper frames are mostly built, got all the cross members in with the whole main gear assembly and main shaft. Um, and then I'm just about to the point where you know, I'm starting to put servos in and Start thinking about the wiring and the layout um, have not mounted the power bus onto it yet really excited to use that though especially after reading you know some of the uh, messages I got from the Facebook posts I put up just people seem to absolutely love that thing just makes the wiring so clean um, and super super neat awesome let's see so for the build it. Was, It's pretty cool. Um, A lot of the parts, so like I mentioned, they come in these individual little boxes. And so when you open these up, there's these big foam trays in there. And all the parts are individually labeled. And then it's dropped in its own little compartment. And then it's kind of got like a shrink wrap over the top of it. So just right when you pull it open. Someone took a page out of the SAB book. Yeah. And so really easy to correlate. You wouldn't know that, would you? Because you've never built a goblin. I have not built a goblin. But and that's so, that's
1: pretty cool to hear. That I mean, it is a very well, it, clean it makes way sense. of setting it up.
3: It really is. Um, it definitely makes sense because I mean, obviously, for you know, for someone who's built a few helicopters, you're going to know what the upper bearing block looks like in the main frame assembly and that type of stuff. But maybe for someone who doesn't know what all those parts look like, and as you're going through the manual, you know, the vocabulary matches up perfectly with what you're seeing in the box and in those shrink uh, wrap trays. So it could definitely yeah make the build a little bit easier for someone who doesn't have a lot of uh helicopter experience the okay thing, so i
1: have got two questions for you on this okay yeah, one is it. are you after having seen it in person are you happy with your choice of canopy color yes extremely okay. happy it pops yeah, I, I if I remember, because we did get to see a couple of the yellow ones at RCHN3. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, I thought to myself, uh, the yellow in person is a lot brighter and more intense than the way it comes out in photos. Yeah, that's for similar, some like reason when you, in the photos, it washes out pretty badly.
3: Yep, I would totally agree. It's not quite the same shade as what you see you know, when you're looking through photos online or even the MSH website. Right. Okay,
1: so, so that's good, so definitely that's happy with the one. canopy color. The next one, be honest, did you molest the main gear too after the canopy? Did I,
3: <laughs> so that's
1: <laughs> that's How one of my is it
3: really That's one of my notes in here is uh I actually wrote to myself to mention you know i I no longer I, I've actually told Kayla to get rid of all of our dinner plates. <laughs> because we have a new source of dinner plates here. <laughs>
1: yeah, they're reasonably priced too, they're right? It's like
3: 15 bucks for a main gear. I don't know if they're dishwasher safe or not, so she might have to go back to hand washing. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man, that it's, is
3: huge. It is it is big. Um, I actually have not measured the diameter, but it is a giant yeah freaking huge main gear main gear looks like a one eighty spooled up
0: yeah, yeah exactly
1: <laughs> no joke
3: <laughs> you know it it really does it's it's big i'm I'm really excited though to be going back to a belted helicopter yeah um, yeah that's gonna be pretty cool um torque tube thing all right you know really excited about the belt though just being able to smash that boom in and go well just a new <laughs> boom <laughs> don't need all the gears and all that other all that other stuff so that and then this will be the first helicopter as well well i guess not the the warp did have the the, the belt going drive. around the pulley yeah, yeah. Er, around the motor yeah, yeah. but and belts so, like the,
0: your home i mean you spent a lot of oh yeah on I, belt.
3: I absolutely love it um and i just cannot wait to get this thing in the air because i have a feeling i I know we saw some fly at the RCHN fun fly, but it, you know, it's always different when you're the one flying it and you're definitely more engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really interested to see how quiet this thing is, you know, with, with no, it is quiet gear to gear (laughs) mates. Um, it's all belts. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, what do you think in your all-up weight is going to be?
1: Have you done any research on that? I mean, I have for the 750 and 800 version, mm-hmm. but I just haven't, because I was never intending to build one as a
3: 700. I don't know. I actually have not done uh, much research. Much research. I've heard, though, it's a little bit on the heavier side. Okay. Um. So we'll see. Once I get the build done, I'll definitely throw it on a scale. So what do, do you think in
1: blades-wise, then?
3: Well, right now I have the rail 696s um, just off the E7. Right. But I'll probably, I don't know, I'll, I'll, it'll, I'll probably end up maidening it with those. But in the near future, probably pick up some 700 or that 710 um, length range. Yep. Okay. So cool, and pro- I really want to give switchblades a try.
1: I got a set of 713s that you can try. And I've Ooh, also got oh, go. DH711s and Helix 715s. So we got to get so, together and do some blade testing.
3: Yeah, that would be good. Just back to back to back. Just fly them and bolt them and throw a yep. new set on. Definitely. But I, I don't know. I just think if it does end up being a little bit on the heavier side, you know, for the 700 class model, I just foresee that 710, 715 uh, millimeter blade length being being the ticket. So. True. We will see. Yeah, the weather's looking horrible this weekend, kind of like Nick mentioned, but for me that's not all bad. I guess that'll hopefully give me a chance to completely wrap up the build um, and not you know, no chance to maiden it. I don't foresee this weekend unless it does get nice on Sunday, but yeah, so I foresee a lot of time wrenching this weekend, so it should be good. I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. Nice, man. But I can't wait to cool. see it
0: fly in person.
3: Yeah, I can't wait to fly. It's going to be Everyone, I've just comment after comment after comment of, oh, you're going to love the way it flies. You're going to love the way it flies. So lots of people who have this helicopter seem to be extremely happy with it.
1: Yeah, I hope you don't come back next week and be like, dude, I do not like the way it flies. I don't know what those guys were smoking.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. We will see. A line goblin, and even those that shall not be named. These are just a few of the brands that are carried by Ken over at Lower Heli. With his ever-increasing inventory, Lower Heli really is becoming a one-stop shop. The best part, though, is a great customer service and the ultra-fast shipping. So no matter what coast you fly on, you can be sure that you will get your parts fast. Order now at LowerHeli.com. Awesome. Well, I guess
1: that leaves me. Uh, I have had a similarly slow week. Uh, As you've both mentioned, the weather has been horrible. And of course, um, in in typical fashion, today was supposed to be crappy weather as well. And... Mm -hmm. It turned out actually to be like in the mid 40s and clear and sunny down here. Now, I don't know if you guys had the same weather up in Bellingham, but I was pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, we did. of course, it's Thursday and I'm working on Thursday and I happened. To, this happens to be my week uh, to have Friday off, which isn't going to happen because of how busy work is. So I'm going to at least have to go in for a part of tomorrow. But it doesn't make a difference because they're projecting 100% chance of rain tomorrow and 80% on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, now, I'm hoping that their projections are as bad tomorrow as they were today. But my luck is going to be that it's going to just be a downpour the entire freaking day. So because uh, because today was nice, but it wasn't supposed to be. I had not prepared, and actually, I could have. I, I, I may have had the option to get away for a little bit longer at lunch today uh, to go and do some flying, either of the three eighty or uh, a little bit extra testing of the R five over at sixty acres. But no luck. So that that was a freaking bummer. Um, now, I haven't met, mentioned it on the last couple of shows, but uh, as it is deep winter. Or for what that's worth here in Seattle, deep winter rain. Uh, I've gone through the process of uh, looking at, you know, winter maintenance on some of the helis, and I'm taking it a little bit slower and more one at a time than I did last year. If you guys recall last year, I think I basically picked a a two- or three-week period And I broke down all of the models sort of simultaneously. So I didn't have anything flying. And I was just, you know, swapping out bearings, figure you do it all at once. You check all the bearings, place one big order and get them all done. Mm -hmm. But uh, I decided to take it a little bit more uh, easy this time. Plus, the 380 just got rebuilt, so it doesn't need to be redone. Uh, So I started with the R5. And surprisingly, with as much punishment as I've given that model, I can't find anything in particular that needs replacement. Now, uh, I I am going to, and this is just the way I do it. People have already asked questions about it in the past when I've had conversations regarding this. I am swapping out uh, head bolts. So the Jesus bolt and the... Uh, blade grip bolts that hold the blades yep. in, all of that stuff. Why? Just because of the fact that the stresses that we put these things under and and the fact that those stresses are very cyclic. Uh, when you deal with cyclic stresses, it puts you in the realm of fatigue. Now, do we know fatigue failure is is a typical mode for these no because the margins are probably high enough to the point where it doesn't make a difference but even looking at like for example the blade grip bolts you can see wear patterns Mm -hmm. it's not bent there's no deformation but there's wear so you know that these things are getting hammered on so i figure it's cheap uh it's cheap insurance I had already made a McMaster car order, as we talked about before, and so I picked up some stuff there, and uh, we're going to go through and do some head bolt change-outs. A couple of bearings just because I've got them, not because I think they they need to be changed, uh, but that's about it on the R5. I was really impressed with how well that thing is, is holding up against all of the constant beatings. And then, of course, uh, it is now ready to run on the 14S prototype pack that I got from Andy at OptiPower. I just haven't had a chance to run it because of this crappy freaking weather. So we'll see. Maybe they screwed up again. The weathermen screwed up again this weekend (laughs) and we'll get something good. Uh, But I'm not counting on it because that's just the way it works. Good weather when I can't do anything about it. Horrible weather when I can. Yep. Uh, on the nitro front, I went ahead and, uh, built up the, uh, the NX seven with Dan's 91 Turek that he sent me figured I'd at least do him the favor of breaking it in. Uh, haven't had a chance to do the break in because of all the bad weather, but it's sitting there and ready to go. And, uh, and then I ended up getting in my three DS engines now somewhat of a, of a, Related story regarding your shipping woes, Jesse, (laughs) I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but the U.S. Postal Service seems to get worse every time I use them one way or another. And in this particular case, I had another situation where the tracking information said uh, uh, delivery date Monday, January 11th. All right, sweet. You know, I'll wake up on the 11th, check the tracking just to make sure, and it'll do the little thing where it's like arrived at the local post office on on vehicle for delivery. So I wake up on the 11th, check, nothing. It still says that it left whatever its original destination was somewhere back east. So no big deal. Uh, check throughout the day. No updates. And I'm like, all right, well, you know what? It's probably not a big deal because maybe they, the guy didn't scan the package when he put it in the, in the truck. That's happened before. And I'm going to show up and it'll be there. No luck. Uh, Monday goes by. The package isn't there. Tuesday, the 12th, no update. It's still supposed to be uh, delivered on Monday. Wednesday rolls around. No update. It's still supposed to be delivered <laughs> on uh, Monday. Well, it did end up showing up on Wednesday, but the tracking info never updated. So I, I I don't understand what is going on there. Um, I don't know, Nick. Do you have any appreciation for that, given that you have a family member that may or may not be familiar with the USPS?
0: I... I can't, well, I can comment, kind of. I get special treatment, and I'm not even going to lie. So, I mean, I never miss packages, ever. But that's because almost everyone in our post office and in our city at that office knows our last name. And they just get, I mean, they leave stuff. They put packages in my trailer for me. If I ask them to.
4: Oh, dude, <laughs> nice. we never
0: get slips. They know that it's just OK. Everyone knows that it's OK. They can, you know, put them on the well, back. We're portion. on
1: complete opposite sides of the spectrum. I get a different male person every freaking day.
0: Yeah, I usually don't. Mm-hmm. But even then, you know, uh, so now having said that, the tracking is horrible. Absolutely horrible. It's not tracking. I I think it's not. It's guessing. It is with the postal. It's like, like,
1: hey, you know what? If we get around to it, we may update this, but we reserve the right for that update to be complete bullshit. Yes, (laughs) and we will update you with more bullshit
0: later. We will let you know when it showed up a day after it did.
1: Oh, I've gotten that yeah, before where yeah, it's where like, it finally updates. Yeah. it's like, Hey, you're in, p- and, and, and I, you know, I have like a personal account for, uh, FedEx and UPS as well. And like UPS, like I got a package from UPS today and it, they sent me an email yesterday afternoon saying, Hey, Justin, by the way, just a reminder, your package is going to be here tomorrow. Don't worry. We'll leave it on the porch. No signature required. Awesome. Thanks guys. And then. I get an email at like 9:35 this morning saying your package was delivered at 9:34 it's sitting for you on the porch. Yeah. Well, thanks UPS. The post office is like, hey, here's an email that's a week late. We delivered your package and then they tell you they delivered it on the on a different day than it was actually delivered.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, they the I got to tell you the the my UPS app is incredible. Yes. They oh, yeah. They got it down. So for those of you that don't, I see a lot of people that are like, oh, I just don't know when. It's, okay, here's the deal. Get the My UPS app. Create a login. And, and what that does, anytime someone sends you a package that goes to your address, it automatically shows up on your My UPS app. And then what you can do is electronically tell them where to leave it which yep. means when you do that, and you can have it as your default. So now, every package that comes to me, when the UPS driver looks at it, it says, please place on back door." And what that means is I recognize a package is coming. Consider this my signature. Yep. You can leave it. Yep. Absolutely freaking phenomenal.
1: Or like I had instructed or provided advice to you, Jesse, earlier in mm. the week, Um, What I do with FedEx and UPS, because I I run into the same thing with the the direct signature required. Um, Usually you have to get that released by the shipper, Mm -hmm. and that's a big, painful process. And you got to they got to call FedEx. Then you've got to call FedEx, and then it ends up pushing the delivery date out a day anyway, which just completely blows it. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a personal account. What you can do and what I do all the time is I go in the minute I get the tracking number and the data is updated in the system. I will go into my account and I will redirect the package to either my local UPS store or my local FedEx Kinko's. Both of them are within five minutes of my house. And then it gets delivered there. I still have to go in with a, you know, with a a personal ID, a driver's license. But they're both open until like 10 o'clock. So get off work late, you know, stroll over to the FedEx Kinko's, pick up the package same day, good to go. Yep. Post office, nope. Sorry. So anyway, that was that was a bit of a tangent, but still I I think I think there are a lot of listeners out there that have dealt with the pain of packages. Yes. And I'm at the point now where the only time I will uh, elect to use the USPS of my own free will is when I can fit whatever it is that I'm shipping in a priority mail flat rate box. Yep. Anything else goes out FedEx preferably or UPS if I can't get to the FedEx store. So the engine came in two days late. The engines, I got two, remember. Two for what amounts to the price of one, and uh, of course I I pulled the engines apart, took a look at them. One comes with uh, basically a, a honed cylinder, so he used the the brake cylinder hone like we had talked about last week, and it looks okay. I mean it, I, the cross hatch is not as clean as uh, uh, an original or virgin cylinder, but I'm I'm willing to give it a try and see what happens. And a new piston with a new piston ring and new, you know, basically uh, when you build it all back up, you're going to have a brand new engine that you've got to break in. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is uh, was his main engine that he had been running and it's got some time on it. Uh, I'd estimate it's probably got, I don't know, 10 ish gallons through it since the last time he rebuilt it. Uh, These you can tell were workhorse engines. These are not. I mean, they're not polished up and look like they just came out of the box, and I don't care about that. Uh, But I think overall, and with Nick's uh, thumbs up of approval after sending him some photos, I think I got a good deal. And there may be a couple of things that I got to replace here or there, depending on how they wear in, but I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, the, The one interesting part was when looking at the cylinder head, uh, the the what amounts to the little combustion chamber on the top where the glow plug comes in, there are actually some signs in there that they have they've seen better days. Like there were a couple of I guess I'd call them nick like pock marks. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a if that's a because I've seen pock show up due to detonation before, but I've also seen pock marks when you freaking like crater or ring or a rear bearing casing and it starts eating the metal and spitting it up and around uh so you know i don't know there aren't really any other signs within the engine crankcase itself that would suggest that that happened and i imagine the guy probably replaced whatever parts it was uh but that that was an interesting sign and of course i'm not worried about it from a performance standpoint because Uh, you know, the small little pock marks have no effect on compression. Um, and I do not believe, although the engine expert, Mr. Len can correct me that the surface finish of the, uh, chamber itself does not play a significant role in performance.
0: Not, not significant. I mean, with the marks that you've got there, something definitely, you know, more than likely they, they really burn the piss out of a piston once. And That's either a chunk of piston or maybe a little piece of ring came up and hit the sure. top and played whack a mole mm-hmm. with the top and with the bottom of the head, but it's not it's not that bad. It's, it's, you would have to really really distort the
1: dome, kind of like yeah the, the shape or or warp the actual head, yes. such mm-hmm. that like the the shim spacing is not equal anymore yeah, it or doesn't there's seal a, good yeah there's no good seal exactly yeah I'm not I'm not too worried about it though. So, yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Got those. Um, I also think I may pick up a couple of, uh, of the more critical spare parts, maybe like a spare head, a spare cylinder, uh, liner, maybe a couple of rings and such just as a backup. But I'm going to take the one that he was Damn. running and just
3: use that and see how yeah. it goes. You must be planning on running it really lean. Why do you say that? A head and a liner. Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> no, I, I mean he's pushing. Here, it. <laughs> okay, so no, it's a good question. No, I'm not. I'm not planning on blowing stuff up. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to place that on the far side of of possibility, though, because yeah. it's me and shit happens, especially when it's my shit. So, but I do want to feel like. I don't have to go and chase down parts and mm-hmm. and creative solutions to fix stuff. If and when that happens, That's right. I really do like, and Dan and I talked a lot about this, like the having, and you guys know what I mean, having that peace of mind and being like, oh shit, I just, I just toasted that engine. Oh, no big deal. Bring it home. Uh, 10 minutes, drop it out of the airframe, take the spare engine that I've already got broken in shove that back up in there i'll be back out at the field tomorrow yeah yep and then i can deal with whatever damage was done to that engine in a more slow and calm manner yeah as opposed to being like i gotta get this back in the air by next weekend yep yeah uh other than that i did a little bit of simming not as much as i wanted to but uh you know like we talked about on the first episode of the year trying to get back to the 3d thing and feeling pretty decent about that um working on pilot proficiency stuff still i'm going to continue to mark that off i don't know if you guys are
0: oh yeah yep for sure no that was that's something that i am i'm going to leave my goals exactly where they were and see if i can't you know okay i got continue about half to go. of mine done i need to yeah. get the other half done this year there you go i'm you know I'm still really going to push for not only flight count, but the proficiency thing. Um, I did not do what I said I wanted to do last year. It's still just as important to me, and I really want to follow through with it this year. And I think making some of those resolutions, like doing more videos, stuff like that, just short little stuff for fun, um, is going to help kind of keep me in check. That's my goal anyway.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, so along those lines, I will remind you both that we did not come up with the next 2016 competition for the Nutsack Trophy. No, we did not. We We, not. We still have to work on that. But I submit to you a seed of an idea, if you will, not fully formed. And I believe that there could be a lot of fun had if it involved auto rotations. Now, I haven't fully figured that out yet, but, uh, you know, thinking out loud, we could do a, we could do as part of the competition because I'm thinking about it more, I kind of do like Nick's approach where it's like, hey, um, let's do 30% for flight count and let's do 20% for the, and I'm not saying flight count per se is the right way to go because, like you, Jesse, I believe it should be new and fresh. Mm-hmm. But what if on the honor system we tracked auto count?
3: Oh, see, I thought you were leaning more towards like 3D autos, aerobatic well, I, and, autos. And,
1: and that might be the direction to go. Like, for example, At another every time level. you do an upright auto, you get one point. Every time you you do a... 3d auto you get two points and if you botch an auto uh and that results in damage to your blade such that you can't pick the heli back up again you lose three points
0: i think you should gain 10 gain
1: gain 10 what yeah
0: so the you, got, you, balls. Oh, cause you right. got balls oh that's right because you're
1: trying okay well then dude i'm gonna rack that shit up <laughs> Yeah, you could just I buy yourself Jackama. Jackama. No, but seriously, I mean that I, I because that is one thing and I didn't bring it up on our resolution show, but I do resolve to focus much more on autos this year than I did last because mm-hmm. it used to be a mainstay of my flight routine. hmm. So anyway, think it through. Maybe uh mm-hmm. some of the listeners have some suggestions. They have. They have been giving us predictions, haven't they? Yes, they have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we uh do we have any news, Nick? Yeah, we got a little bit of news. All right, sweet, let's do some news. And I don't even have to say it now because uh <laughs> Dan and Ken did a kick-ass job on the news segment, didn't yes, they? Yes, they did. Sounds great. Very nice.
4: This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com. Cool. So we got, uh, let's
0: see, Kas- Kasama. I didn't even know they were still in business. Yeah, who? Yeah, who? What? <laughs> Has a pre-order out for a new 700? What? I mean, is this we? real? I I apparently? Do we have pictures? So it's weird. I'm looking on their website. I don't see a name.
3: Says so the name? new Kasama 700 machine.
1: <laughs> is that the name? The new 700 machine? (laughs) Are these pictures on the post that you linked the new 700? No. Those look like, is it? Yeah. No. Those look like a, a lot like the Shremok or the Dune. No, keep going.
0: The top post on their
3: Facebook page. Actually click on it.
0: Yeah, click on it and that'll take you to their website. And it says reservations for new Kasama seven hundred machine. That's all it says, right there. And they have one picture
3: with some. Well, it appears to be some serious blade tracking issues. <laughs> yes, <it does. laughs>
1: Wait
0: a minute.
3: I don't know if it flies good or not, but that guy doesn't oh, wow. know if it does um, or
1: not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoever's flying that has no clue if it flies good or not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> looks like it
1: looks so, like the blades so are tracked Aurea like a has
3: four blades. Not you know sure if I two see. blade or coax.
1: <laughs> you know what I see there that's interesting. If you zoom in, guys,
3: what the seven hundred so, yeah. coax? The seven hundred coax. Other
1: other than a massively out of track blade disc, why don't you mm. draw your attention to the white vertical line just ahead of the main shaft? And tell me what you think that is.
0: Oh, crap.
1: That's a linear, linear servo service. right there. Oh, uh, shit. There now, we go. I have to give credit to someone, and I don't know who it is, but I was reading through the listener predictions today, and someone in that thread said, we are going to start seeing people pick up the TDR2 linear servo drive system as a norm. And here we go. Step number one. Okay, now. Well, is this really a full
3: step? This might only be a half.
0: Might I also draw your attention to, A, the ginormous <laughs> skid tubes that are on that thing. <laughs> okay. The yes, uh-huh. yes, awkwardly ancient skid design. And more so important, I would like to bring in exhibit B, which is, WTF is going on with the tail boom rod boom support uh, tractor tie rod thing in the middle there in the back. Whoa, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I see that.
1: Dude, it's a tail control. Look at it. Inside a boom? Su- Inside a single boom support. So they must have, oh, dude, look at, look at, it's got like a, uh, what is that? Isn't that like a diff boot or something?
3: That's
0: <laughs> Yeah, looks like a yeah. It looks like a steering rack. Yeah. Yeah. So what I see is also Mr. a linear Osama, tail servo you setup. dirty dirty man. It's what a linear tail servo. Linear tail servo. Look at it.
1: Oh. Uh, yeah, you I'm can see it on the side of the servo. No, I think that's the mounting bracket.
0: No, but it's the the rod is in the middle of the of the boot of the
1: support, oh, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I so agree. that's
0: how they're getting the linear, it's linear through the middle of the rod. Hmm. What
1: the hell is going on?
0: <laughs> it's fun. This, the
1: speculation is fun. Don't come I, for facts, uh, just come for speculation. Oh, and the tail rotor is on the left side. Oh, that ain't gonna work then, it is backwards. Now, now, just taking this a little bit further, one thing in particular I'm not fond of is the split battery system. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, no tray.
0: No individuals. Straps.
1: Hello, 2004
0: called. <laughs> what? Well, well. <laughs> Once okay. it's
3: Velcro
1: right. batteries, I guess straps I'm back. still I'm still in. 2004 for a couple of my no minutes.
0: you're in speed where it takes 15 minutes to change a battery pack anyway
1: so it doesn't really that's matter. a good point now look at the middle battery pack just below the main gear now whoa whoa, whoa. what is that shopping cart handle looking thing that appears to be welded those yes, are I welded, said welded, welded skids to the skids well did take those are
0: the new special take edition. It does. It looks like you took... What the fuck is that? It looks yeah, like dude. you took...
1: There a, There have been, like, arcs up on uh, that bitch. It looks like you took a... A shop
0: A Fred a shopping Meyer cart shopping handle. cart. Welded it to a set of all-aluminum, like... 1999 miniature aircraft skids and then velcro strapped that to the bottom of a heli
1: this is (laughs) this is a fascinating approach to prototyping
0: and someone really needs to tell them that 3m tape with the red is not attractive to secure wiring on the outside, especially
1: when you leave the red. Uh, well, now, I, I was going to say I use that in the exact same manner to great benefit on all my helis, but you don't see it, and it's not a promotional picture. Well, this is this is um. Wow, what's the velcro around the twenty-five back for? millimeter boom? We'll take 750 motor size up to 65 millimeter can diameter, which means, uh, let's see here. That's a 45 millimeter stator. So 4530. Hmm. You can reserve it now. What does that mean? You can. So. So send us much your money. How does this cost? And we'll
0: send you a shopping cart.
1: Reservations for new Kasama seven hundred machine. Two hundred fifty pounds.
0: So they want they want you to to put a down on it. Yeah.
1: Well, I you know who's gonna get this dude? Who? Dan. Dan, Dan
0: <laughs> is they, on it. He's got Kasama. Kasama love deep in that blood. Yep. Yep. Well, I see some cool stuff, but I see some ghetto some speed bumps. That's just <laughs> that's just a
1: tease, dude. That's just a tease. Yeah, yeah. because I mean, in 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 fairness to Kasama, you've seen his other models and there is nothing kludgy about them. No, no. They're... I mean, they come out pretty freaking amazing.
0: Yeah, they are. They are beautiful. They have traditionally been very, very beautiful helis. Uh, this is odd. This is not. I mean, it's Kasama like in that it doesn't surprise me that they came out with this linear servo thing, which is really exciting.
1: Of all of the companies, I yeah. mean, they have always been forward thinking in implementation. Yeah, so, so I really it, did. It that. isn't surprising. I agree.
0: But this this skid thing, like, dude, I wouldn't even show that to you guys for out for for fear of humiliation <laughs> and ridicule. Uh, Yeah, huh. Hard to say, but we will uh, be sure to follow it because it's entertainment at the least. Uh, Chris Reiber put out a great little video on the Oxy3 Cube. It's, It's just a wee little guy. And it's got three blades on the top and the back.
1: What size are said blades? I
0: don't know, but it's pretty cool. I watched a little bit of the video and it's, it he actually did a really good job on the video. I've been thinking more and more like we were having that discussion about if the th- front yard is actually big enough for the 380 or not and it's like I'm kind of Dan was saying, you know, oh yeah. I, well, I think he I don't know, he might even got one. I don't know yet. But if he did get something that size like an Oxy, I'm going hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, a little will smack down in the backyard as I can
1: definitely say that I have considered it, but I've also considered it would be a distraction. And so, no, I won't I won't be
3: getting one, J- Justin, but would it be as convenient for you to fly?
0: I don't would think he, so. Cause he, I mean,
3: because it's not like and, and I haven't seen your backyard, but could you fly that in your backyard? No. Oh, dude, I couldn't fly a paper airplane in my backyard. <laughs> Okay. It's a struggle
0: wanna... the struggle is real to hover a two fifty
3: multi rotor in his backyard. <laughs> yes. So as far as convenience goes, you'd still have to leave the house to actually fly this thing.
1: Yeah, I would. And they're they're really you're you're making a good point. It really doesn't add much value. That's the reason why I already have the three eighty, because I mm-hmm. can go around the block to yeah. the the local baseball fields and burn, you know five six eight packs easily back to back with no problem and it's small enough uh to the point where uh i don't have to worry about taking up too much space with the 380 yep so this would be just a I you know i mean it it would just be more of a what is it all about sort of thing just for fun Mm. cool that's all i got yeah awesome do we have jesse you got any news
3: uh nothing i don't have any news either
4: This week's news is brought to you by superiority.com For superior quality web and mobile development and design with a 100% money-back guarantee. That's always on schedule and budget. Get the most from your website from www.Superiosity.com or www.DudeManLarry.com. Not kidding. Check him out.
3: When it comes to fly barless systems, there are so many on today's market, it can be very difficult to decide which one is right for you. You really have to look past the price and start focusing on other things like customer service, product support, and of course features and flight capabilities. In my mind, the Spartan Vortex flybarless System ranks right near the top when it comes to these categories. Their product support and customer service is second to none. They are constantly updating their units to improve the flight performance, and bring you more features. So, when shopping for your next fly system, visit spartan rc.com. So, what are we talking about this week? Jesse. I thought that was your job.
1: No, I think this is your job, dude. <laughs> yeah, this, is it? There's is it? something like in the show notes that says Jesse oh, man. owns this week's topic. Let me
3: check.
0: Well, we need to preface this a little bit. This has been one of the more epic fails. On our you have to part. say sorry first. Yeah, we need to lead with an apology because I got this uh, email. I saw this one a long time ago and uh, had intended on tackling it, but unfortunately, it was right in the middle of uh, Justin's speed stuff. And then something else came up, and then just something all else. the
3: end of the year stuff, all the just... end of
0: the year stuff, and I had it up on our whiteboard and um you know, Dan missed it, and then it was here, and then I forgot and so this is a listener email, a great listener email
1: that is way overdue. <laughs> well, we have committed mm-hmm. on at least three separate occasions to have it in the quote that this next was episode,
0: yeah. <laughs>
3: This is a fail. Definitely. And then we always get to the end of the show. Why
0: didn't you bring that up? Yeah, dude. What are you doing? Come on, man. Yeah.
3: So it was uh,
0: definitely a fail on our part.
3: So, okay. In fact, Nick, uh, just as a quick shout out, do you have the, I don't have, I mean, I just have it still copy and pasted into my Word document, you know, that I use for my notes. Do you know who sent the original email?
0: Uh, I'll be able to dig that up.
3: Okay, and he'll know. Yeah. He'll know. (laughs) He'll
1: know. He may not because he may have, you know, like... Given up hope. Yeah, he's not even actually listening anymore because he's pissed that we never actually
3: got his email. Those stuck up... (laughs) All right, so the email we got, it was all about pitch and specifically about how pitch plays a huge role on how the helicopter feels. So I'll quickly kind of... I'll just read um, the email that we got and then we can go into some discussion about it and provide some insight and some answers. So I have a, a suggestion for a topic and as you can tell from the subject of this letter, it's all about pitch, especially when doing 3D. To me, the way the pitch feels plays a huge role. It's something that I really want to get to feel the right way. Doing tight stationary flips feels very different depending on how your pitch behaves and depending on how aggressive it is. It can really put high demands on your collective management skills. In the sim, the smooth power of the nitro seems to make it easier to keep the flips tight and controlled. But of course, the collective is not as crisp and as high powered. In the sim, you usually have a bunch of parameters to tweak, feeling the response of the pitch. For example, in my favorite sim, an EXT sim, you have pitch response, hardness, pitch dynamic, helicopter weight, head speed, max pitch, pitch curve, motor strength. But in reality, on a real helicopter, you don't have all of these parameters other than disc loading, in particular for the heli, head speed, and pitch curve. There doesn't seem to be much else that you can do, at least on the systems I fly. Then goes on to pose a lot of questions just about different system, different size helicopters, different power systems, and how the pitch can play a major role in how the helicopter feels in general. Um... So, a really good question, because I'm sure you guys would agree, and I know, Nick, as you've been talking over the last couple weeks, the pitch that you're running can play a huge role in how your helicopter flies, responds, and just the overall feel um, of the model in general. Mm -hmm. So, he did hit on a couple things. Um, I guess the first thing I kind of want to hit on is just, he listed off the ways that you can adjust pitch. Or, how the pitch feels for a helicopter in real life, not talking about the sim, and how you can change that uh, pitch response or how the pitch feels. So, just a couple things that I jotted down here, and a couple of them he mentioned, a couple of them he didn't. So, the pitch curve obviously, you can increase or decrease the overall pitch that the helicopter has. That's gonna uh, have a direct relationship between, you know, when you're at your max stick throws, how much pitch is actually on your blades and you got your disc loading um, increase or decrease the weight of the helicopter to change the disc loading can also be affected by blade size yep longer or shorter blades can also change your disc loading and how the helicopter is going to feel in the air another thing that you can tweak um, in addition to those other two is the head speed Um, which he also mentioned. So those are kind of the three parameters that he mentioned as in real life having control over how that pitch feels. Now, a couple other things I jotted down was another thing you really need to look at is the blades. Um, I think this can play, I know you guys have tried, multiple sets of blades. And it really is amazing going from like, you know, a really wide cord, call it, you know, bites the air really hard or an aggressive blade to something that's maybe a little bit narrower cord and just doesn't want to bite as much um that can play in my opinion a major role in how the pitch response and just how the helicopter feels overall because at least for me when i go to a little bit more aggressive blade you know i find myself i'm dropping down that overall pitch curve a little bit and reducing the pitch but on like the rail blades, for example, I find myself up near fourteen degrees of pitch. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I think I think it's uh it's you know we've 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 talked about this in various forms before, but it's there are a lot of different parameters in the blades that affect how the pitch ends up feeling. Mm-hmm. And I mean, usually the most notable ones are like the blade length, six ninety versus a seven ten. Yep. Uh, which, as you mentioned, affects uh, disc loading, Jesse. But then there's also uh, a concept that we've talked about before, and I won't get into the technical details. You can look at the tech tip called solidity. And yep. it is it basically, in addition to the disc area, takes into account the width of the, the blade, so the cord, and yep. uh, some of those wider cord blades. Like, you guys remember a throwback to, like, the... Ultra Wide Cord Mavericks and the Radix blades. Holy crap, man! Those things bit hard. Yep, super yep. hard. Yep, yep. Uh, and then the tip, the tip plays yep. a significant role. And on the rails, I think, um, I think the reason why the rails are such a great all-around blade and and other blades that have a similar tip geometry is because of that swept tip with the shorter total. Uh, cord length, it basically puts you in a situation where you have a much more gradual increase in load from the center of the blade out to the tip uh, Mm -hmm. instead of a very high load at the tip. Uh, And so you don't get as much poppiness and as a result, most people are going to say, hey, you know what? I swapped out my, you know, brand A for rail. And I felt like I needed to increase by an
3: extra degree or so of pitch. So yeah, and that and that's super common, you know. Coming from, well, like the compass blades, for example, or the uh, spin blades. Um, I remember bolting those on for the first time and just thinking how how much they bit and how much they grabbed there. And then yeah, now coming full circle, on you know on the E7, I was flying the rail blades, so I totally saw that increase in pitch was required to maintain that aggressive feel
1: yeah so i would say you know going down that list if you are if if you're wanting to mess with blades the less aggressive of a tip you run or the more swept of a tip like a rail blade uh, the the less bitey you're going to see in general. And then, of course, reduction in chord width or, or the width of the blade or mm-hmm. uh, the length of the blade is also going to affect that. The what What's another blade thing that affects pitch? Let's see if you guys get Let's, it.
3: Well, I would just say the stiffness. Yeah, stiffness. If it flexes a lot or if it's not very rigid.
1: What about weight? Oh, yeah. Weight and CG. CG. CG plays a significant role. Uh, Whether the CG is an aggressive CG where uh, under uh, an increasing pitch condition, uh, the uh, center of pressure on the airfoil drives you further away from neutral or whether it drives you closer to neutral. uh, That also plays a Mm -hmm. significant role. So blades, I think blades are a big deal.
3: Yeah, and I mean, and we've all done the tests where you go out to the field with a few different sets of blades and you go back to back to back on the same helicopter with the same settings in your fly system and it becomes extremely obvious that blades play a huge role in how the helicopter feels and more specifically how the pitch feels.
1: And then in terms of uh, so okay, so you you choose your set of blades and you go and fly them to get a baseline, right? But then what what is it that you can tweak from there, Jesse? Like if you don't have, because a lot of people don't want to go and spend four or five hundred bucks on blades, and A lot of people don't have a bunch of addicted friends like us Mm -hmm. that will spend four or five hundred dollars on blades and then let you swap them out at the field (laughs) when you fly with them. Yeah. So you got a set of blades. It is what it is. What can you actually do to tune the pitch
3: feel with a fit in? uh, You mean as far as other parameters that the helicopter has?
1: Yeah. Like, I don't know, fly barless. You talked about
3: Mm -hmm. head speed, weight. Yeah. So another so another uh, point that I jotted down was one thing that could play a another major role is the governor in the head speed holding ability oh, yeah. of your governor, because I know that we've all felt a governor that's not very well tuned and how squishy it can feel, um, and the ball will start coming and you know everything that follows with that huge drop in head speed. Um. And so having that governor tuned up and you know, having that head speed dialed as much as you can can also make a huge difference in how responsive and how crisp your, uh, your pitch feels. Oh, it's huge. I think it's clear that within this past year, Rev Electrics is taking battery charging to a whole new level. Within the last year, we have seen the all-new bump charging system announced, and the release of the GT 500 Charger. The bump charger is something that no one has ever done or seen before. The list of features includes a complete touchscreen interface, charger setup with just the bump of a battery, and V-Bar battery ID integration for all you V-Bar fans out there. So, for more information, be sure to check out RevElectrics.com. What what governor
1: characteristics do you guys look for?
0: Oh jeez, I'm gonna let Jesse keep going, and then I'll I'll have my big huge rant at the end, or not rant, but on on governors and <laughs> <particular, laughs> no, just Nick? on on just pitch pitch. and just everything. Pitch. I've got so much to say that it's hard to put small bits in.
3: Well, let's let's go through let's go through some of the you know let's try to lay out all the options on ways that you can adjust right the how the pitch feels okay and then maybe if you want to go after that and then we can go into some of the more specific like versus questions that he had
0: um head speed Um, head speed i know that sounds weird but head speed directly affects how the pitch will feel in my
1: opinion mm -hmm. oh absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. more more pop or more head speed more pop even for the same set of blades
0: but even if you go down more head speed and less pitch will feel different than than a lower head speed and higher pitch. It's yep. a completely different feel to it. Even yep. though it might pull just yep. as hard at full collective, how it feels when it gets there will be different.
1: Yep. Oh, yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Um, the, so, the, the, the tune on the governor, like you were saying, makes a difference, whether it holds... Symmetrically about the set point, like I think a lot of the external governors do, uh, yep. or whether it lets you overspeed or underspeed a little bit on the high end or the the low end, uh, like the classical yep. contronic performance is.
3: Yeah, and so for me personally, I don't do, I don't know, there's not a whole lot of overspeed maneuvers, so that that isn't as big of a deal, but yeah, I'm definitely pushing, I would say, with as far as the governor goes. I'm pushing as far as I can in my tuning to try and get that head speed narrowed up to where there's as little drop as possible because I really find that that has a you know a very direct impact on how poppy and how aggressive the helicopter feels. Oh, absolutely! Um, through through all maneuvers, anything from a pyro flip, a flip and roll to a TikTok, um, a a loop, you know that governor performance is going to come out at almost any skill level once you've progressed into, you know, sport flying and mild 3D. Yeah,
1: I I mean, there's no question that on the low end, on the bottom end of the set point of the head speed, uh, you want as crisp holding as possible. Um, I still remember back to the days when the castle governor wasn't as good (laughs) as it is now, and I still don't think it's spectacular, but uh, it's better. it's, It's definitely better. But I can remember where even when you, because you you recall the old governor, you had to max out the gain to get any performance out of it. But then you'd run into the situation where you would get an uncontrollable tail wag in any loading, unloading maneuver. So there was a limit to it. And the characteristic castle governor feel on a unload to a load to make to stop it if you didn't have a lot of pitch it was so mushy you ended up having to time your your sticks uh and and actually advance your stick movement to get it to stop where you wanted it to stop or else it it might sink right into the ground mm-hmm. if you're if you're doing stuff low down oh yeah whereas Horrible. on the contronic side it holds really hard on the on the uh bottom side but yep. it lets things overspeed a little bit on the top end and i think that contributes to sort of a more smooth pitch feel whereas something yeah. like um i don't know we haven't talked about this a lot nick but the hobby wing the hobby wing i feel like does a good job of crisply holding the rpm in a pretty symmetric way Yes. Uh, in terms of under speed and over speed yep.
3: oh really so it doesn't let it it
1: does not let speed. it it doesn't let it uh overspeed as much as i'm used to on the contronic and hmm. it's a different feel it mm-hmm. really is that gives you i think a more a more crisp uh uh response on the pitch for the maneuvers that i'm doing at least uh it it's not for me at least better or worse than the cosmic overspeed,
3: It's just different. Yeah. So then besides the governor, um, another way that you can you know, tweak how that pitch is going to feel. And I think Justin, you started to mention this was parameters in your fly system. system. Um, it seems like, I don't know, one of the more common names, I don't, I don't know what the name's gonna be across you know all the systems, but I know for one there's the pitch pump um I know from icon and v bar yep. and a couple other systems you got the pitch pump which basically on hard stops you're still gonna set your overall you know maximum limits the the physical limits of your helicopter how far you want the pitch to go um but on quick stop situations the heli could actually go above where the stick would have um, pulled the pitch to go. So let's say you know, you're know you quickly trying to stop the helicopter as you're moving downward, so you throw in some positive pitch, but the stick would have correlated with 4 degrees or 6 degrees, but the helicopter actually goes to 10 to make it stop that much crisper. Um, so it kind of over-exaggerates to uh, quicken that it's, stop. It's so, an
1: overdrive of sorts. I think it's yeah. actually a feed-forward type algorithm yep. but yeah yeah yep. it gives you that it that basically crispness. anticipates oh he's moving really quick and he just stopped let's give him a little bit more
3: yep yep so you can you know adjust that and that, that's basically going to make the helicopter more crisp it's going to it's going to reduce the time for you to be able to stop the model um so there's the pitch pump feature which i don't i would think that's in most is that in the Bavarian Demon, Justin? No, we do not have a pitch pump in the Bavarian Demon. Is there a substitute, or it's nope? Okay, no. So I, it, I would say in the majority of them, there's a parameter like that. Um, is there other things in the flybarless system, um, besides the ones that we talked about earlier with the pitch curve and the head speed that you, you know, you can adjust in your fly bar system and stuff for the settings? Is there other parameters that you guys know of to directly affect? The pitch feel
0: I don't
1: think so uh I, I mean, think if you have wide variations in head gain from something yeah. that's very locked and robotic to something that's very loose and mm-hmm. and flowy, you are going to see uh, a a small difference in how the pitch responds but you know the the other thing that's that's a little bit hard to quantify is that I'm pretty sure most people. Don't go out and pitch pump the shit out of their helis <laughs> to tune the pitch. They're flying, yeah. and so yeah. it's inevitably mixed in with cyclic. So to to you know you it it may be differ or more difficult on the head gain side to differentiate between how it's affecting you know cyclic agility and response versus yeah versus just pure collective. I yeah, think so, I mean. On on Along the lines, though, on fly barless, maybe not just a fly barless, but in the radio, have you guys ever messed with the pitch curve to make it nonlinear? Uh,
0: I've dinked around with it, but I ended up just saying, nah, I don't like this slippery slope that you're going into. I mean, I really try and keep my my tuning as simple as possible just to kind of standardize across as many models as I can. And so it's not not worth it to me.
3: And I was going to mention, you know, you talked about the variation in head speeds or in uh, head gain. For the V-bar, we also have the style slider, which that can have quite an effect on if it kind of feels loose and maybe not aggressive versus cranking that style slider up. And you mentioned the robotic feel. You can definitely get that from adjusting that style slider in the Mm V-bar.
1: Yep. I think another thing that uh a lot of people will probably furrow a brow at initially is uh servos. Servo mm-hmm. torque and speed. Because yeah. if you put That's a good one. if you put a weak ass set of servos Oh in there, yeah. and by That's true. I'm not prepared to explicitly quantify weak ass um <laughs> although I I would not up to today's standards. My bet is that in in today's helis uh, and and by that, I mean these big 3D electrics that tend to come in in the low to mid 12 pounds, if not heavier, um, and the new aggressive flying styles. If you took a set of servos from five, six, seven years ago, where back then we were seeing Uh, you know, times uh, speeds rather of 0.1, maybe 0.09 on cyclic and torques in the 150 to 200 range, Mm -hmm. uh, which I'd consider probably on the low end of the spectrum nowadays, I think you would see uh, a a difference in how your helicopter responds. Because nowadays, most of the most of the even the reasonably priced servos you're at 300 400 inch ounces of torque and mm-hmm. i've seen cyclics that are down in
3: tail servo speed ranges
1: yeah and that makes and, a
3: big difference and i honestly don't do not think that you need to be a top level even a hard 3d pilot to be able to tell the difference i agree with you completely because i still remember going from those bls 451s over to the bk servos and it was just night and day difference you could you could clearly tell yep. yeah
1: yep i can tell as well having done swap outs between the mks uh 660 series and the x8s mm-hmm. those x8s are freaking monsters dude now is it justifiable to spend 200 dollars a servo no, I'm not saying you should go do that because you don't like how your pitch feels. Maybe try turning one of these other cheaper knobs first. <laughs> but the point is that servos do play a pretty significant role, yeah, yeah. right down to what voltage you're running your servos at.
3: Very fair. Yep, I agree. Um, and actually, by bringing that up, I, I thought of another thing that could also affect the feel of your pitch, the damper stiffness. Oh, you ooh, bet. Ooh. And I I didn't have that one jotted down. I just, just thought of it. But I totally remember, mostly on the, the 7HV, and this wasn't because I was switching dampers. It was because they wore out. Yeah. Um, but you always get that, wait a minute. It starts, you know, it's slow, and it happens over time. So it's it's not really obvious. Mostly it's because I'd noticed there was a bobble or something that I couldn't quite get tuned out. But all of a sudden, it starts feeling squishy. And when they get that far worn out, when you throw a brand new set in there, it's like, holy it's cow, a, I should have changed those out 50 flights ago. It's like
1: a different <laughs> helicopter. I remember that. When I had my 7HV, I ran through the same exact thing. Now, it happened to be a crash. And then I looked at them and I'm like, wow, these look pretty beat up. Let's try a switch out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does make a difference.
3: Um, so, yeah, that's another one that can, you know, go into those stiffer dampers can give you that crisper. Res- Crisper response you might be looking for. Nick, did you wanna did you want add anything? I'm gonna uh, transition over to. He had some questions of you know this versus that, this some comparison type things. Yeah, let's let's do that. Okay, so the the first thing that he kind of hits on is he mentioned in the sim that he was flying a nitro helicopter and really liked the power delivery and just kind of hit on you know pitch response on electric helicopters versus maybe pitch response on nitro helicopters um and so i don't know my my thoughts on this is typically at least what i found in my, in my experience is there's obviously a difference in available power in the power delivery method, I know we kind of mention all the time, the nitro just seems to be that, that smoother power. Cause there's not the electrics instant and the nitro seems to be gradual. And we kind of convey that as being smoother. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand though, the nitro is also typically a lighter helicopter. Yeah. Um, so your disc loading um, is typically less on the nitro. And so oddly enough, I've usually found that I can get my nitro helicopters to feel more crisp than the electric helicopters
1: because um, of the, the lower
3: disc loading. I, I think it's yeah, I yeah. think it's because of the lower disc loading. They feel, you know, and you know, it's kind of that we we allude to it when we're talking about flying nitros. Like you just want to beat the crap out of it. It's just it's agile, it's quick, it's responsive, it's snappy. Mm-hmm. Even though on paper it has you know less power, but. There's just something about both the power delivery and then the lighter disc loading that I tend to find the pitch being more responsive on a nitro helicopter.
1: Uh, well, I I intend to let you know whether I feel that same way once I get this NX-7 <laughs> up and running. But what I will tell you from the last time I had been flying nitros seriously is that the engine power delivery does play a a role? It's mm-hmm. not the it's not necessarily the instant on tap like you feel out of an electric because these little engines do have a power band. Yep. Yep.
3: Yep. Yeah. So I mean, overall, I don't that I and I I honestly think that's one of the main reasons I just love flying nitrous so much too, is how it makes that pitch feel. The next question um, that he asked, and Nick, I'm probably going to have to rely on you for this one because I don't know if Justin has any three-bladed head experience or not, but one of the questions was the pitch response and the pitch feel on a two-bladed head versus a three-bladed head.
0: Yeah, that one's tough because it's completely dictated by blades. And because mm-hmm. I've only flown the SABs, I feel like it's not really a fair assessment
3: to be on. But you've you flown the SAB blades on two bladed head,
0: uh. But it's a completely different profile, and that's the problem. Yeah, yeah you're going from a much wider chord and a more aggressive tip on the six ninety three Ds to a swept mm-hmm. tip on the three blade set. So it's completely different. I had to go up in pitch. Um, to get the, the response that I felt, which didn't surprise me because that, I mean, that wasn't all that surprising to me.
3: Up in pitch on the three bladed head. Yes.
0: Yeah. To get, yeah, to get the response out of it. Yeah. So that one's kind of like, to be accurate, I would think I would need to try different, you know, like do a direct swap almost with the same blade profile. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, little trickier of a comparison on that one. I mean, can you, in general, though? Do you, I don't know, tend to find that the three blade is more crisp or has better stopping power, or uh,
0: I did not notice yeah. anything on the pitch. Okay. Yeah, in general, I would say it's not as drastic of a difference as it is on the cyclic. Cyclic's yeah. huge, mm-hmm. way different there, but not that much difference on the pitch.
1: Okay. Yeah, and unfortunately, I can't really contribute much. The the few instances I've flown them, uh, some of which has been Nick's, I think Nick yours was not tuned at that time because there was a huge difference in collective pitch for me, and it was that it got up and went like a busted turd off center.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was really soft, and that was a combo of I hadn't figured out that, I just hadn't figured that out yet. The SAP blades are not aggressive in that format at all. So you definitely mm-hmm. have to run more pitch. And that's one of the rare instances where I actually did end up using pitch pump. Um. Oh, to, okay. Yep, I ended up go. using pitch pump useful. to
1: make <laughs> it feel normal. Because I just didn't want to go higher on pitch. Whereas you do not employ any pitch pump on your two blades?
3: No. Never have on any of them. Do you, Jesse? No, I don't. Huh. Okay. I typically go off the overall head gain in the style slider to get that that crisp or that um, responsive feel. So moving on, the next question, which Nick, you kind of started to, you mentioned this earlier, so maybe you can elaborate a little bit, is the low head speed versus high pitch and the high pitch and low head speed and kind of the differences between those and how the flybarless systems tune differently and the overall feel of the helicopter. Um like you said even though the the speed might seem the same, they're gonna feel a lot different once you get to mm-hmm. that position.
0: Yeah. For for me in an electric um In an electric, it much uh, lower head speed, higher pitch, much more simulates a smoother power delivery like nitro does. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and here's the big caveat, but from my experience, you can only get away with that uh, with certain blades. Yes. And with lighter weight models, which is more like a nitro is. Um, I, you know. I was the big advocate, huge low head speed, high pitch, but, you know, this this whole last round of tuning really kind of opened my eyes, you know, and just really trying different things and forgetting the numbers and going off a of feel, you know, this whole pitch thing is so multi-layered. It is not just how much pitch. It's not. It really isn't. No. Everything not at all. plays
1: mm-hmm. a role in uh Duncan flies eleven and a half degrees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yep. So
0: wait, what? Yeah. It all de- it depends on the blades, you know, like a a wider cord, more aggressive blade. Um from what I have found, I far prefer lower pitch on it with a higher head speed. Because I don't okay, so here's I guess I'll just lead into what I was going to talk about. Here's how I'm, I'm setting up mine. Here's how I'm now tuning mine. I go out there with a baseline of um, about 12.5 degrees, okay? And I set up what I think is going to be a ballpark RPM. So like on a 700, I'm going to start at 2,000, 12 and 2,000, and I'm going to fly it. I'm going to get the heli tuned, and then i'm going to kind of go back and tackle the pitch and why because i need to have my head gain i'm checking for bobbles that's what nick is checking for i hate bobbles bobbles piss me off bobbles <laughs> on stops. yep like i can't stand it and okay this is what i'm saying pitch directly affects this so you need to be aware that some things you cannot tune out on any flybarless system if you are not within the constraints of being reasonable. Physics. Yes, <laughs> physics, exactly, and, and blades and, and everything else. So I go out, and I start with the baseline there, and I start low. And then I get a feel for how it flies. Now, when I say that, I start hammering on it as hard as I can fly it. Now, I'm also... A typical type, or no, I'm not typical. I am a pilot who uses all of my stick throw, all of my pitch, a lot. I'm way into the corners a lot. I use full resolution. So my stuff is usually set up more mild because I'm into it out at the ends more, where some people fly around the center more, and it's just quick little movements. Well, I hang out of there a little bit more. So... I'm gonna fly it as hard as I can and I'm going to say, okay, here's the scoop. How's it fly? I'm not concerned yet with does it have the response I want. I want to know how does it handle my hardest movements that I'm gonna throw at it. Now, if at this point I see lots of bobbles or wobbles on stops, I'm gonna continue with my flybarless system tuning. And if it still doesn't, okay. Now I'm going to go up in my head speed a little bit. And I'm going to get my head speed up to where that goes away. If I don't see it, and I still feel that the heli is a little soft on the collective, I go up in pitch. And I go up in pitch until I run as high as I can to where it doesn't bobble, shake, shimmy, tail kick, because let's not forget, this plays a huge role in tail tuning.
1: Oh yeah, it is very difficult
0: for any flybarless system at a at a medium to lower head speed to hold a tail at 14 degrees of collective. It really, really is. Period. So that plays a role in it too, because that's something that's very important to me. I do not want to see those little tail kicks drive me nuts. So I find that point. It might be, and again, that all depends on the blade. With rails or any swept tip blade, generally, I can get away with higher pitch. About a half a degree more than a more aggressive blade. Mm -hmm. Now, if I get to 13 and that's where it is, okay, then I'm good. Uh, If I go up to 13.2 and I start to get bobbles, okay, I'll back it down to about 13 no more bobbles, good. Now fly it again and say, does it respond the way I want it to? No, it's still a little soft on collective. Then I'll go up in RPM or wow, it's a little too hot. I'll start going down in RPM. And if I if I start to get baubles back, then I'll back my pitch back down a little bit. So it's a game. It's a balance for Nick. I generally try to run. I try to run the lowest RPM and the highest pitch that I can, but that is all within the constraints of it cannot bobble or kick the tail or anything. And then I start trying to balance those out as much as I can to make those symptoms go away. So start with, does that kind of make sense? I think it makes
1: perfect mm-hmm. sense. Absolutely.
0: And that's just a new thing that I've, I've started to do. Before it was, I set it at one and I tune the other, period. End of story. Well, that's not the game anymore. I think it's a balance because it completely changed the way my models fly when I do it now like this. Now, those same models that were a little bit heavier and I thought, I mean, dude, I was determined to run 1950 and 14 degrees because (laughs) I did it on the E700 and it felt great. Well, why did it not feel great here? Because the heli bobble. The heli shook on hard collective stops. I wasn't getting... It just wasn't as happy all around. It flew fine, but it, it wasn't to my standards. I was trying to tweak out well, that last
3: 10%. You end up spending a lot of time tuning.
0: Yes. Ew, it, and it just it wasn't, it, it wasn't working. So going back and doing this method, wow, okay, now we're really getting somewhere. And I could change, I could take a different set of blades and bolt them on there, whole different ball game. Everything is like a moot point Mm -hmm. and you got to start all over with it. So there's so, or if I took half a pound off, that's going to completely change it as well. There's a lot more factors in setting your collective, I believe. But the number one thing is, it's kind of how you fly. It's how hard are you going to push it? And it's not, you know, sometimes (laughs) this is kind of weird. Sometimes if you fly harder, you might end up with slightly lower pitch because if you're out there more and you're more aggressive with it and you don't want to see those baubles or whatever, it might be better for you to go lower on the pitch and bring the head speed up a little bit. Yep. That's going
3: to lock in better. Yeah.
0: Because it just might and flat out might not be tunable at that RPM and that um, and that degree of pitch for those blades. Throw a different set of blades on there. Wow, all of a sudden I could, you know, I'm going to go up half a degree. Okay, cool. I generally like mine to pull pretty hard at full collective. Um, but I, I certainly do not... <laughs> I like it to be softer a little bit feel a little bit softer power delivery, which lower RPM and higher pitch does, but all of that mm-hmm. is at uh is at the expense of it it can't bobble or I start backing down. So
1: yep. that is how I do Which it. is which yep. is the main downside of that configuration, the lower pitch or I'm sorry, the higher pitch, lower RPM. Yep is the bubbles yeah yeah and and you know the other thing i'll say is it it's not just the blades and all the settings it's the heli too, guys because there is in in my experience a big difference between pitch feel and delivery on a small model uh uh,
3: compared to a large model oh yeah jump into the next question oh yeah
1: With all the time and money you put into your hobby, the last thing you want to do is throw away your flight experience on bad blades. From the feel of the heli in the air to its appearance on the ground, which blades you choose to bolt on is one of the most important decisions you have to make. That's why you need to put those old and busted blades to the side and make the switch to some new hotness. Brought to you by Bert Kammerer of BK Designs. Switch rotor blades are sure to put the finishing touches on your heli. Whether you're into sport flying, hard 3D, or F3C, Switch rotor blades will get the job done on everything from a 250 to an 800 class heli. And we're not just talking about main blades here. Switch has tail blades and night blades too. So stop wasting your time not flying the last brand of blades you'll ever need and make the Switch today www.switchrotorblades.com
3: Yeah, his next question was like a 360 versus a 700. Oh, perfect segue. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I
1: read the script. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, here here's the deal, right? These big uh, 700 and 750 and 800 class models... They've got infinite power on tap for what it's worth. These electric power systems are just amazing. Oh, yeah. But there's still a lot more inertia involved in putting the pedal to the metal on a 12- or 13-pound heli. Now, you drop that back to, let's say, the Goblin 380 or even even something in the 430- to 480-millimeter blade class um, with a similar, if not higher, uh power to weight and power to disc loading ratio, and all of a sudden the thing behaves telepathically at uh at set or at conditions or parameter values that on a seven hundred you wouldn't expect to get that feeling out of it. And mm. that's like that's a on the three eighty, that was part of the reason why, among other things I was challenged initially to get the thing tuned correctly because it was so much more aggressive, uh, in particular on Collective for the head speeds I thought I wanted. And then there's there's that thing again, like Nick was saying, don't force yourself into a number. Uh, mm-hmm. But I ended up uh, I ended up deciding on the 380 to go to lower head speeds and run higher pitch so that I had that pop on tap when and if I felt like I needed it but I wasn't getting that instant you know uh telepathic feel that you get out of the bigger models when you run high head speed
3: low pitch Mhm Yeah and I was going to so some of the things I wrote down is just in general though I tend to like just For the feel of the pitch, a little bit snappier, quicker um, response, and sometimes you know, generally more pitch on the smaller models. I don't know if that's just they're small. You want them faster. They're fun to throw around. Um, I know Nick. You kind of just said that about the three hundred and eighty. Just oh, I run it way
0: faster. Yeah, yeah. It
3: just makes you want to beat the crap out of the helicopter yeah but (laughs) nick do
1: you think you're going to tune it for low head speed high pitch or high head speed low pitch
0: i can already tell that because of the the blades on the 380 being a little bit softer
1: okay there's yeah it's Uh, probably
0: and and the weight being a little bit higher right Mm -hmm. i mean it's not like a super lightweight heli uh i can already tell that it's just going to end up being higher head speed
1: that's See, I'm just, not yeah. getting that on the blades that I'm running. Well, On the Zeals and the Halos. That could uh, be too. Yeah. I think they're a yeah. lot stiffer than the
3: SABs.
0: Yes, these things they're are. They're more responsive yeah. of a blade. Yeah. Again, all changes with blades.
3: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and just to kind of go back to the generic low head speed, high pitch, high pitch, low head speed, I'm really looking forward to on the Protos just treating that. Head speed or the, you know, the percentage of head speed and the percentage of pitch just as another parameter like the you know, like the head gain, mm-hmm. just tuning it to how it feels best. So the last thing that uh, he mentioned in the email that we received was speed helis and how blade pitch and feel Ooh. can play a role when it comes to speed. Interesting. Someone's loving on the speed again a little bit. Yeah, a little bit more.
1: Well, uh, you know, it's it's quite a bit less of a feel thing in the speed um, uh, uh, and more on the side of what is it doing for me uh, overall in terms of getting to the higher speeds that we're looking for. Um, Obviously, on the speed side of things, the ultimate goal is that when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in speed you are at full pitch, full collective pitch all the way at the end of the stick. And we've talked a lot about the interplay between head speed and pitch. And for speed people that are beginning, you want to go up in head speed first, not in pitch so that you don't get yourself into the dreaded pitch up due to retreating blade stall. Um, that I think that's the most technical of considerations. Beyond that, uh, the feel of the pitch on the heli is not so much a concern, in my opinion. Um, the blades that you're going to run for speed already have features built in uh, similar to the rails at the tips uh, with the cord cord length or width variation that tone down the the poppiness, if you will, mm-hmm. that you would get out at extreme head speeds or extreme pitches. And that's because we're wanting to sit at a high pitch range at super high head speed. And we want the heli to be stable and predictable and not twitchy. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there's on the speed, speed helis, there's no magic that, that is done in terms of pitch curves. They're all
3: linear. Um, The So one question on the speed helis, are you picking a pitch and tuning the heli, or are you adjusting the pitch so that it flies good?
1: Uh, You are, well, first of all, you're choosing your baseline head speed and a low pitch value, say, like I've said before, 12, 13, 14 degrees. And you are getting it tuned up at that point as a baseline, making sure that your CG is set, it tracks well and all of that, right? And then from there, what I do is I increase my head speed uh and ensure that as I go up in head speed, I'm not getting any additional um bad tendencies that might be amplified by the higher head speed and the resulting higher flight speed. And then itune for governor holding from there basically with the pitch so we've talked about making sure that the duty cycle the PWM percentage as it's typically called in most ESCs just gets up to about a hundred percent which for the cosmic is a is a throttle curve of around 77 or 78 Mm -hmm. Um, generally speaking most people are going to find that they will Uh, eventually tune the heli up to between 14 and 16 degrees of pitch at whatever the typical head speed is in that range much Mm -hmm. above 16 and i believe you're in danger of retreating blade stall one way or another and you're getting into uh, inefficiencies and so it doesn't get you much but again not the feel does not come in as much in that as it, as does the assessment of the difference in performance Mm -hmm. from one set point to another. I'll tell you what though, uh, running 2,800 RPM and 16 (laughs) degrees of pitch. You can pitch pump the shit out of that. (laughs) Better be ready for that tail though. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, the tail will kick 180 degrees. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be nose in before you you, know it. How about this, dude? You can do Piro Pogos and never touch the rudder.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Just let's go. That's awesome. Well, I think that that pretty much covers the question that we received that we uh, got. Hopefully, you know, that's a lot of good information and a few more ways in there to. Adjust the feel, of the pitch on your helicopter, and hopefully give you a little bit more insight on if you're not quite getting the pitch performance or the feel that you're going for, a few more options on how maybe you can achieve that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good question, and it's you know it it all comes down to personal feel too, guys. So oh for sure, none of it's set in stone.
0: There you go. I hope we made up your listener question. Yeah. And oh, by the way, guys, that was Marcus from Sweden. Mm. And I'm going to okay, quote. Okay. I'm going to quote right here. Citizen number. Damn, where did I put that card?
1: Yeah, <laughs> there you go.
0: Just that's our style, right there. Nice, honest game, but always off a little bit.
1: <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Let's giddy up. Do we have any final announcements? Anything at all? Uh, I am wrapping up uh, the
0: DT520 review, as well as, Justin, you are going to have a three digi headed in your direction very soon. Oh,
1: yes. Uh, and
0: then he can put a little bit of the speed stuff on it. Um, yeah. No, I've I've been... These are two reviews that are going to just turn out great. And I love those. I love them. I hate going, yeah, oh, man. Eh. So it's really cool when you end up with a couple good products. Uh, so thank you again um, to for the, everyone for sending those out. We really appreciate that. Um, Danny at Demon Arrow and Shannon over at Only Fine Hellys. right? Yeah. You got it. OnlyFineHelis.com. Yep. So we appreciate those guys and we'll get
1: those reviews out soon sweet uh still no no additional updates on the fun fly dates uh i am starting to work that more in the back background since it is the new year so anytime i get an update that's uh close to being set in stone i will keep people posted uh so just hang tight on that uh what about what about website nick
0: uh, yeah, Larry's still plugging away on it we are We are reaching toward the ends of the project definitely Woot. we're we're getting close, so I'm excited Woot. you know we'll get it, we'll get it launched. We'll let everyone know, and then I'm sure as as we can get the nickels and dimes to trickle in, we'll have him do more stuff
1: great, okay, awesome. well, cool uh, let's see here. Keep hitting us up on Facebook. Uh, Dan continues to quote significantly higher numbers each week. I think he's probably losing it because we haven't hit 4,800 yet. We will soon, but we're at around 4,750. So help uh, boost us there to 4,800. We're going to have to do something at 5,000. I don't know what. Yeah. I feel like it's a giveaway. Um,
3: a big well, one. Yeah,
1: right. Something. We will come up with something. And we probably do need to... To think about giving something away here in the near future anyway. Right, Jesse? So. We, uh, That's a
0: good it's point. Been a it's been a while. Oh, it's been hey. a while. Yeah? Let's... Can I surprise you? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to surprise you. We are going to give something away. These guys don't know anything about it. Uh, we're going to give away the DT520. Yes. Oh, nice. Yep. I thought about it, and it's like, you know what? This one went great. I feel I feel good about this review. Someone needs to be flying this helicopter on a regular basis. I think they will really enjoy it. And uh, so I just kind of thought about myself, and it's like, well, shit, we're going to give this one away. So that's going to be a citizen giveaway, everyone. If you don't have your citizen, (laughs) if you haven't got your citizen number, uh, hop on our website and get that done, and we will keep you updated on that giveaway in the future.
1: Now, you, you are nice. going to make sure you give it a little TLC. You're not going to hand it over as a used up. Oh, worn out. Worn no, out, dude. It's not heli. used up. It's going to have. Uh, With you beating on it, it's, it's seen some better days, hasn't it? No. it's, Dude, this thing is pristine. Oh, come on. No,
0: absolutely pristine. Okay. It'll have a, right at about 50 flights because that's my review number. I put 50 flights on something when I do a review. I feel like okay. I can get to know it
1: within that amount of time. That's, that's reasonable. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, yeah, you guys heard it. Sign up as a citizen if you aren't already, and then we will keep you posted on the exact details surrounding how that's going to be given away. I think we'll probably have to come up with that. But, uh, wh- hey, when do you think you're going to do the review?
0: Um, I'm going to say, well, it depends on which one we want to do first. I mean, I'm shooting in the, in the two week range to start one of the two reviews.
1: I think that we should, uh, yeah, I think we should do the, the DT first. And then at the end of the review, you give it away.
0: Okay. Let's do that.
1: Uh, so yes. next board. few weeks we won't hold Nick to the the two week deadline here, although I know now people are gonna be like, I want my heli. Yeah,
0: I want my <laughs> heli, I want my heli. I have five more flights that I need to get on it. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm sitting at forty five right now. And why? I do I think there's gonna be any difference in five? No. But just a thing. It's, it's what we it's do. It's your thing. It's your thing. Yeah, you gotta stick to it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, cool. Nice. Any other announcements? All I've got. And nothing else here. Alrighty then. I think it's uh it's time to do emails, Nick. If we wanted to get in touch with you, what the hell would we do?
0: Uh you would send me an email to Nick at com, or you would hop over on my Nick Len RCHN Facebook page.
3: Jesse. You could also, send me an email to you, jesse, at RCHellynation.com or you can catch me on Facebook as well. Awesome.
1: If you guys wanted to get in contact with Dan, you could send him an email at dan at com, or hit him up as Dank Reed on the forums uh, or Dan Reed on Facebook. Uh, of course, Ken, Mr. Saloway, can be reached at Ken at RCHellyNation.com. He will hook you up with all the great stuff at the store, uh, citizen cards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If something is coming from us in the mail, it has been touched by Ken, and definitely not by us. <laughs> he does all that work. If you've got questions that you want to get played on the show, and we need, hey, what? Where are our questions, guys? We need some more listener questions. We do send it to questions at rchellynation.com. Do a little recording on your smartphone or on your computer, whatever it is. We won't make fun of you too bad, but we will give you four completely unique perspectives, all of them probably completely wrong, uh, and in terms of answers to your question. All right. This has been episode number two hundred and seventeen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. We will see you next week.
0: Later.
4: Back to you later, guys. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by Soko Heli Tools. Progressive RC, Rev Revelectrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, Spartan Flybarless Systems, and Superiority. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.